Welcome back to the NSO Pod. He is Sterling Pingree, which makes me Tom Corbett. And hey, for the seventh time in half a century, the Red Sox and Yankees have made a trade right before we hit record. Now, we are recording Tuesday night this week. Uh, Alex Verdugo, the, he gone. the main piece in the Mookie Betts trade, four seasons later, has been bid a fond adieu and sent to the Yankees for Dick Fitz and other prospects. Among others. I mean, a three a three for one. Um, don't know if, how many cents on the dollar it is. I'm good with trading Verdugo. I'm even good with trading him to the Yankees. My hesitation with saying Yankees there is I just keep thinking about that short porch in right field. And like that hot streak that Verdugo always goes on. Now he's not like a dead pole guy, but he might become a dead pole guy. Like unless I maybe he for a little bit the power that we kind of thought he was going to. He, he's been very much a, a doubles hitter. I'm a little concerned that he's going to just like hit 36 bombs next year for the Yankees, all oh. of them to right field, all of them in home games. Depends if he makes the all-star team or not. You know, he didn't make it this year and really went in the tank after that. Uh, if you're a Yankees fan, are you excited or like upset if Alex Verdugo is your only all-star next year? I'm assuming you would be quite <laughs> upset. Mainly judge. Well, that could be too. Outside of that. It's one. I mean, I was excited when they were talking about the possibility of a Glaber Torres for Alex Verdugo trade. I mean, that seemed like something that, oh, that could be. So there's a, uh, I don't know if it's an urban legend, if it's been sort of proven true, that there was a moment where the Yankees and Red Sox, the two owners, uh, Tom Yockey and might have been Colonel Rupert, um, got drunk together in the 1940s and agreed to trade Ted Williams for Joe DiMaggio because DiMaggio, right-handed hitter at Fenway Park, short porch and left, Williams, short porch and right at Yankee Stadium. They were kind of like, it made more sense for them to switch ballparks. And apparently they got drunk and they agreed to the trade. And then when they both sobered up in the morning, they both decided like they couldn't do this. To a way, 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 way smaller scale because Alex wondered Verdugo, where you were going with that. Well, because like I mean, Alex Verdugo is not you know he's not Ted Williams. A, he's not going to be a fighter pilot in any wars, and Glaber Torres is not going to marry Marilyn Monroe. Um, but Verdugo fits Yankee Stadium better, and Glaber Torres fits Fenway Park better, being a right-handed kind of pull power hitter. Verdugo hasn't developed that, but it is the lefty that could develop power if he played all his home games at Yankee Stadium. It was an interesting trade idea now that, I mean, nobody's, I think, surprised that Verdugo's gone. They're just more surprised of where he eventually went to because, like you said, these two teams don't trade ever. Yeah. Let alone a quote-unquote, you know, starter very useful piece uh does this make you 
more hopeful for a potential Juan Soto trade? Or do you think it's just kind of clearing out some space? You got Yoshida, Jaron, Ref Snyder, uh, Willier Abreu, and of course the uh, the hot prospect, the 19-year-old Roman Anthony. So it makes me a little more excited, though at the same time as I saw this uh, trade announced on Twitter, all the other tweets were about the Yankees going after Soto and that they've kind of engaged in talks and perhaps have hit kind of a stopping point right now or, or have hit a roadblock uh, in, in a potential trade with the, the Padres. So that doesn't help. And then, of course, everything after they make the trade, people start going, whoa, well, I mean, they just traded for a right fielder. They don't need to go get Soto now. And the reports came out. I think Jeff Passan had it immediately. No, no, no. This does not mean that they won't still go after Soto. Uh, so the Yankees could be going after a Soto judge Verdugo outfield. What if the Yankees like flipped Verdugo or something? I don't know. That would, it would just be wild. But DH Stanton. <laughs> oh, I think you kind of have to. Um, I, I think it certainly, I mean, it opens up a, a starting spot in the outfield. So I think if you're the Red Sox, it makes it a little bit easier to bring Soto in because you kind of clear up that log jam. You illustrated what the outfield would look like. Yeah. I mean, Soto, Duran and Yoshida with Ref Snyder as your fourth outfielder. And then will you Abreu as your, you know, rookie whose feet you're getting wet. And I mean, there's been some talk that Yoshida could develop into a DH or, uh, I mean, there's a lot of metrics and a lot of experts that don't like his play in left field defensively. You know, I, I say it's his first year playing at Fenway Park. It's his first year playing in the United States. Um, I, I didn't think he was atrocious in the outfield, as a lot of people did. But a lot, you know, we're kind of imagining him getting a different position in, in the future. Not exactly sure what that would be outside of DH. But, yeah, I, I think if not monumentally changes things it certainly uh incrementally it's one of those win probability that this may have just taken it up like oh three percent where it's like yeah helped a little bit yeah and you would have to imagine if juan soto were to happen then i would assume roman anthony is involved in that deal who's i saw a lot of people have anthony now as the number one prospect for the red sox he is ranked as the number one prospect. I would imagine that any trade for Soto, I, I mean, I would imagine that Mayor or uh, Mayor or Roman Anthony would have to be involved. But at the same time, they're not going to be able to sign him. They can't sign him. And if the Red Sox can take on money, I mean, obviously the Yankees are going to be involved in this too. So it's what can the Yankees offer? What can the Red Sox offer? And what does the financial kickback for the Padres look like? How can this help them, a team that is taking out $50 million loans right now to try to make payroll? Like they need to make a move. They also need to dump some money. So who can help them do that? And who will help them do that? I think it's going to be more the case than who can give top prospects. We are looking at, I think, the reverse, and, and it's ironic that we're talking about this, we were talking about a reverse Mookie Betts trade. When the Red Sox dealt Mookie Betts, the primary reason, rationale behind it was, one, they didn't think they were going to be able to sign him to a contract. Two, they got to dump David Price's contract. 
this is a similar sort of deal where I don't think you're going to look at the Padres and people are going to see, wait, why didn't they get one of the top two prospects in the Red Sox system? You know, why are they selling for, you know, someone who's kind of somewhere around maybe the middle of the top 10 and plus a, a guy in the top 25? It's because the Red Sox are going to take on a contract that they no longer want to pay. In the meantime, get us Yamamoto. Yamamoto. Soto and Yamamoto. That is that is the game plan this offseason. It's tough because everyone seems like they are in on you know the same three guys. Everyone wants Yamamoto. Everyone wants you know, Otani, though apparently the Otani market. I'm here like things could happen this week. Mm-hmm. We're in we're in the winter meetings and there could be a resolution to the Shohei Otani sweepstakes this week. That that is what I heard uh, earlier on. It was on Rich Eisen. They were saying that uh, we could get a conclusion uh, as early as this week. So it, it's it's moving fast. And I think once he's off the market, the other dominoes fall rather quickly. But he, I think, is going to be the first one. But hey, you know, you, you got a Verdugo trade. Red Sox being active. Let's let's see some deals. Let's see let's see that movement that everyone was talking about of this being a huge off season. A, a nice winter meeting splash and, and not not to put too much pressure on him but so not for nothing uh as we record this on tuesday night my birthday is tomorrow there have been some epic winter meeting days on my birthday uh the two best there was the one year they signed julio lugo and jd drew didn't really know how to take that year uh and then six years ago one of my favorites they trade Moncada and kopek and they get chris sale so December 6th, there, there's been some big days at Red Sox winter meeting history. So let's see if history can repeat itself yet again. I suppose we should move on. Football coming up this Thursday. Oh boy. TJ Watt and the Pittsburgh Steelers take on Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. It's It's a little old news by the time we get to record. But last week's Thursday night graphic where the Patriots did not have a player deemed worthy to to tease next week's game and they put the old ball coach on there, never a good sign. I didn't like what people took. I mean, there were guys, you know, you could use, and there's injuries. And, you know, so I did a top 10. It's coming out on my uh, Patriots preview, which will be up on Thursday morning before this game, where I said, okay, who do, who did you want? Like, who who could you? And you look, and the top 10 Patriots before the season or, or in week one, seven out of 10 are injured right now. And, and that includes Ramondre Stevenson, who a week ago, that becomes kind of the logical pick, right? Like, Ramondre Stevenson, if you play fantasy football or daily fantasy or anything like that, like, you are familiar with Ramondre Stevenson like you could have put him on that role uh on the defense I mean like Judon was your guy Judon's been the face of the franchise now for the last two and a half years unfortunately he's been out since week three in Dallas like put Matt Slater on there like just just give Matt Slater a graphic the guy's been in the league since 2008 he's probably going to the hall of fame like you have nothing else just put Matt Slater on the graphic one of the all-time good guys in the league. And even if people 
outside of Foxborough don't know him, like that's fine. That's fine. You, they don't have to. But for Patriots fans, like I would look at that and be like, hey, look, they put Matt Slater on the ground. Right, right Good on. For him. That would have been cool. It would have been, you know, just a, a little something. Because I was trying to think of like, okay, who should they put on? I go, oh, crap. There really isn't like a great, especially now that like Stevenson's hurt. Now, like, do you put Zeke on it? <laughs> I mean, Cowboy Zeke. No, no, no. We're, well, actually, that'd probably be good. It'd be false advertising, but it'd probably be better to say, oh, yes. It, oh, it's yeah. Cowboys Steelers, really, next week, even though it was during the Cowboys Seahawks game. I don't know if people would necessarily jump all over that. This is going to be um, ugly. I mean, you calling it football, I think, was also false advertising. What, it, what was it? Kenny, the, the lowest point total since like 2005 for gambling over under? I think it was 30 and a half. God, that's low. Like, that's low, and I still, pardon me, I mean, the Patriots didn't score last week. It was 6 the, to nothing last week. I know. I They didn't score. They've scored 13 points total in the last three weeks. Like, if you add up the last three Patriots games, they lose 26 to 13. Like, they get doubled up in the last three games, and their defense hasn't allowed more than 10 points. I mean, everyone has seen that stat all week. But the defense is playing really well, oddly. But they're not kind of forcing turnovers. They're just getting three and outs, and they get off the field on every third down. And twice, I mean, I think both times the Chargers had, like, two completions, got into field goal range, and kicked, like, a 47-plus yarder in the rain. And that's how they got their full six points. Like, that is a game, and I think I said it last week, where I said, I mean, this is the Chargers. I mean, the Patriots shouldn't beat anybody, but they might beat the Chargers because the Chargers just lose games. If the Patriots did anything else in that game, like, if this isn't a, if two plays go different, this is just, if one thing kind of switched, like if Zeke on the screen just broke it for a touchdown, they win the game 7-6. And the Chargers probably looking for a new head coach. Shouldn't they anyway? Probably. I was going to say a six nothing win. Has anyone been fired after a win? That that might be it. I mean, how do you hang your hat on that win? How do you look at that and say, "Well, you know, I'm a defensive coach. We just shut a team out." Probably. That's probably exactly what he said. The Spanos family probably just looked and said, "Do we want to pay another coach with a team that's five and seven? No. That's that's probably the true root of it, but. God, I mean, not to you know take it away from the Patriots. There's just nothing to say about the Patriots. If you're the Chargers, I mean, look look at the talent. You, there is talent there. I mean, Austin Eckler, though, suddenly looks slow. Keenan Allen, I don't think, is 100% healthy. I think he came back from an injury early. Well, he's also Herbert like 50 ha- years old in NFL years. Well, he's got, that, he's got that veteran beard. You add that beard to him, boy, it's like the NBA. When the guy grows the big beard and finally shaves his head, in your head, you just go, oh, he's 42. Then you look it up, and he's like, oh, he's 34 this summer. Yeah, I guess he's only 31. <laughs> it's the same. Austin Eckler is the same thing. He's like 28 years old, but because he's got a beard, bald head, and has been in the league for, you know, he's been a superstar for four or five years. Everyone's like, ah, he's certainly in his 30s. But I don't know if just drops and poor execution, and I don't know. You flip-flop those weapons, and... The Chargers score zero, and Bailey's that. Well, no, the Patriots probably still score zero. What am I saying? 
You were hopping on the old Zap Stars bandwagon there for a hot two seconds. Like, give him the weapons and let him cook. <laughs> that, that has never been the case. I've never been a believer in any way, shape, or form in, in Bailey Zappi. Um, hilariously, just reading and, and listening to you know, the Patriots beat writers and experts this week who are saying, you know, the Patriot offense was a little bit better with Bailey Zappi. And I'm like, it was better? I mean, the proof is in the pudding. They put up a goose egg. And now I know it was raining, but as I said in my my recap on uh, strongpingry.substack.com, the the original Sterling notebook, it wasn't like it was a blizzard. Like, there wasn't three feet of snow. No one was slipping. No one was, you know, they weren't fumbling. There was one fumble. There's one turnover in the whole game. There's a couple of drops, but it didn't really look like it, like, you know, squirted through their hands. It was more just those Chargers receivers, Quentin Johnson, namely, just they just boxed the ball around. They're just kind of struggling catching the ball with their hands. But to have six points, I mean, that that is that's like typhoon weather. I mean, that, that's windstorm weather. There was more points scored between the Bills and Patriots two years ago in that windstorm on December 6th than that there was this past week. I, I don't know. It, it was like, why, it was ugly. why can't we see Malik Cunningham for like a handful of plays? Just, I think we will something entertaining. Give me something, well, something that, Ooh, something could happen. Right. Good, good or bad. Like, I mean, it, it is the, the curiosity factor. I think we will this week. I also wrote, um, this past week of why we didn't see a Malik Cunningham package was more so do you want to put a rookie quarterback in who's going to be running like an option wildcat type of package? Do you want to do that when it's raining and and the ball could be slippery and you you need to be working like optimal conditions for that to happen? I do think that this Thursday we will see some Malik Cunningham out there. That could be something. It, it'll be a moment when he trots onto the field. You go, oh, hey, Cunningham's in. And then it's all on how that first play goes. Big matchup. Well, they did it Malik against Cunningham Houston. against Mitch Trubisky. Come on. They had uh, Malik Cunningham in for a few snaps uh, earlier this year. I'm trying to remember. It was, I've started to block some of these games out. And he literally, like, he took the snap and took, like, a seven-yard sack. I think they put him out for another play and like, the same might have been in Vegas. I mean, it was just bowling shoe ugly. So, um, yeah, it, it'll it'll be more interesting, but I don't know <laughs> if it'll necessarily be good. But at this point, uh, I'll at least take interesting. There you go. You know what else is interesting? Not the New York Jets. But yet... There's always a story, and it usually revolves around Aaron Rodgers' Tuesday McAfee appearances uh, where he backed up Zach Wilson and was upset with the reports that called him a kid quitting on the team and blasted the Jets organization for chicken shit leaks to the media. This is Aaron Rodgers taking shots at the Jets. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a bad person. 
Like I, I'm a bad person. I like I want to go back and watch Hard Knocks again, and, and just and just think of all of these moments. Like I want to read those quotes while watching like Robert Sala and Nathaniel Hackett just just glowing over the prospect of coaching Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, oh hey, you know how that's going to go? Like it, it's me from you know it's you from two months in the future. He's going to get hurt in four plays, and then by December, he's going to be calling you a chicken shit organization. Oh, and by the way, he's going to plan on playing this year with a torn Achilles at age 40. Now, this could this could be about the leaks. This could be about Zach Wilson. I don't really understand this relationship. But it could also be, like, I think Roger's birthday was like four days ago. Like, maybe they just didn't send him an edible arrangement. Or maybe they only sent him an edible arrangement. Like, I, I don't know. Like Maybe it wasn't the type of edible he wanted. Exactly. He wanted giant Willy Wonka size uh, gummy bears full of weed. I don't know. I don't know if you're Aaron Rodgers, how you celebrate. I imagine like it's drugs in a band that you wouldn't understand. That's what I imagine that it probably is. And, and likely some camping outside or, or glamping indoors. I don't know like necessarily what he's into, but I know like you're not into it, whoever you are. I, I just... Oh, I love this so much. Like, And to think, they went from, okay, the Zach Wilson thing, and everyone knew they needed another, go another way, and they never did, to then starting a quarterback who was worse. They got worse when they moved on from Zach Wilson. They went to Tim Boyle, who's already been cut and waived after two starts. Because he was atrocious. He was the worst quarterback in the NFL this year. Tim Boyle. And, and you know, like I feel like he was put out there by the Jets to make Zach look better. And I'll be damned, but they did it. Like There were people saying this past week, I, there's a Jets fan on Pardon My Take, who said, yeah, I would rather see Zach. I, I, you know, again, you don't see it for a couple, like Patriots fans in two weeks, if this continues, we'll be like, you know what? Just start Mac Jones. Like things are better than Mac Jones. We beat Buffalo. Like you, it's like a bad relationship. You just start thinking about the good times and kind of wishing you were back there because you don't think of all the bad times and the reason that you ended up breaking up in the first place. It's the same with a quarterback. When it's an abusive relationship and things just go sour, after two or three weeks of seeing other people, you're just like, okay, you know what? I just want the familiarity. If it's going to be bad, I want it to be comfortably bad. That's where the Jets are now. And Zach Wilson's going, nah, bro, I'm cool. If you're Aaron Rodgers, how is this the hill you're dying on? I don't like, know. You're dying on the Zach Wilson hill. He's got all kinds of feelings. The Jets are probably watched last night. Like, really? Jake Browning? CJ Beathard? Not that Beathard was, like, crazy, but he came in, was 9 for 10, 63 yards. Got him a field goal. I mean, you look at what Browning did. You know, people 354 and like, a tutty, 32 of 37. I was going to say at one point he was 28 of 32 for like 318. And I was like, holy cow. I'm going to pick him up in fantasy right now. They talked to him after the game and you could tell like, oh, that's someone who's never done a media interview yet. No, it's his I first career win. Too. And he's like, yeah. What's a bit different this week? More comfortable. Yeah. Got to play last week. Feel better this week. Like, you can just tell when it's happening. The only time he's ever been interviewed was, like, 
the Akron Beacon Journal when he was playing at a D2 or something. They they interviewed him after a home win. I don't know. If you're Rodgers, like, this is a weird stance, and it's just going to get stranger if the Jets bring back this whole cast of characters. Like, if, if their hard knocks, essentially, for lack of a better term, gets renewed for season two, not saying literally on air, but, like, if they just bring back the same crew, this is going to get freaking weird. Like, it's going to get really strange if Aaron Rodgers is there, but he's also caping for Zach Wilson to be his... Like, it's almost like he was a frozen caveman, and he hasn't seen how bad Zach Wilson was. He just knows, wait, but before the season, the plan was, I play quarterback, Zach learns, and then he becomes your starter for 15 years. But Aaron Rodgers in a ayahuasca-induced stupor has like forgotten that he played four snaps and then Zach Wilson played a bunch of shitty football. And at the same time, he's probably pissed off because Jordan Love is starting to look like a player over the last Mm. month. Green Bay is suddenly right back in the playoff hunt. Oh, and they have totally moved on. To use the dating analogy. Like literally a month ago, it was like, oh, no, Jordan Love. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, strings four great games together. They're winning football games, and you're like, ooh, yee. That, uh, that teeter-totter has gone the other direction. Well, especially with the Chiefs, too. like Because that, that was supposed to be the Jets' big win was almost beating the Chiefs, even though they beat the Eagles. Which, by the way, just a weekly reminder, uh, the, the Jets beat the Eagles. Like, I'm not going to lie. That- I am very worried for the Houston Texans this weekend. My God, they're going to lose to Carolina and the Jets. That's the other. And that's worst. how they're going to get knocked out. And now they lost Tank Dell. Not to digress, but oh, yeah, that sucks. Oh, but uh, yeah, no, the the Jets just please never change. You know the the Patriots are going through it right now, but I, I take a little solace in in seeing the shit show that the Jets are becoming. And and they are. And they are. We knew that this was possible, and they're living up to everything I hoped it would be. All right. Uh, what else we got? We are in week 14, and the new co-favorites right now for NFL MVP, Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy. What a world. I mean, Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy. I mean, I guess Hertz has dropped out a little bit, fallen back. I still think Tyreek Hill's got to be up there. I don't know. It It is a truly strange year for the MVP award, but I am very interested. Cowboys got a good win. Beat the Seahawks. What you had to do. I think. Obviously, it all comes to this week. Still as good as, you know, beating Seattle, Seattle. That's a good win. Made it happen, but it's still not the signature win. It's not beating the Eagles. It's not beating, is the Chiefs a signature win right now? 
one could argue. Uh, it's not beating San Francisco, who kicked the crap out of both Dallas and Philadelphia. They got the Bills coming up. That could be a signature win. I feel like Miami's kind of in the same same boat. They're still lacking that one win that truly makes the non-Cowboys fans a little bit of believers. And that's Philadelphia on Sunday. That's the one, right? Like it, it's before the season, you could have kind of laid that out that that's the one that Dallas needs to get. The Seattle game, you know, there was times Dallas looked really good, and then Seattle just kind of kept making plays, and they let you know all the the DK Metcalf you know, run run after catches. It it almost turned into kind of their signature loss, where it's like it was a game where. I mean, God, they consistently, you know, they were they were always behind, it seemed. But then you watch the teams play and you go, well, this team's a lot better. If they lose this, it's going to be, it just isn't going to fit right. They kind of escaped with it, even though, I mean, I think I, Seattle played as well as they probably have all season and almost took that one. But I'm going to chalk it up a little bit too. It was kind of a, it was a Thursday night game. Thursday night games can be a little bit weird at times, and I think that's what it was. It was one of the best Thursday night games we've had this season, so I'm not necessarily complaining, but from a what is Dallas and what does this win mean, I think it's a, yeah, you know what? They they played a pretty good team that played to the top of their ability, and they still came out with a win. You move on, but yeah. I, I mean, it's not They don't necessarily need a signature win, but you do want to see them do it against a good team. And I think if they split with Philadelphia – that would be a step in the right direction, though, Tom. I just want to prepare you for the narrative that'll be out there: is what's wrong with the Eagles? Something's wrong. San Francisco has given everyone the formula to beat Philadelphia. That's what it'll be. They they won't necessarily give Dallas and, and Dak Prescott all their flowers. They'll give you some. They'll split the bouquet down the middle, but they'll give some to San Francisco for kind of doing all the dirty work. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia. And rightfully, I get it to an extent. I mean, it's been, you know, 30 years since the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. And the Eagles were there last year. So I get it to an extent. But the way the Cowboys got crapped on after that 49ers game, and everyone said, oh, absolutely pretenders. They're a good, bad team. They don't belong. Give me the big signature. The Eagles beat the Cowboys. They beat the Bills. Like they've got some good wins, but like they had to scrap to get by the Commanders twice. Almost lost to the Jets. But the Commanders are kind of their Achilles heel. They lost to the Jets. Uh, The Commanders are kind of their Achilles heel. I mean, they lost to them last year. That one, I'm kind of willing to give the. That's that's the matchup, you know, kind of like for years with the Patriots, it was Miami and, and whether it was the atmosphere, like we lost some weird games to the Dolphins for 20 years. For, pretty much because I figured they should never lose to those Dolphins teams. So I'll kind of I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the commanders. I'll say, I mean, Philadelphia's signature win is 100 percent the Patriots in week one. I mean, it was raining really hard in that first half. They held on. I mean, Tom Brady was in the house, you know, the new lighthouse, the new scoreboard. 
I mean, emotions are running high, and the Eagles pulled that one out. I mean, they 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 covered Kayshawn Booty on that fourth down conversion. No, their signature win is Kansas City. It's winning on the road, charge environment, the biggest stage you can have during the regular season, and they got to win in Arrowhead. The rematch of the Super Bowl, and they kind of, you know, pulled the monkey off their back. I'm going to say that was their moment. And then turning around, and and to be fair, I do understand the argument that people are making that Philadelphia was in a tough spot schedule-wise. They play Kansas City, they play Buffalo, then they turn around and have to play Kansas City. Uh, they have to play San Francisco. Now they played those last two at home. Certainly helps. San Francisco is coming off a bye. They had I don't know, like you know, the, the the two weeks off getting ready for that one. It wasn't a great spot for the Eagles. Not that I'm going to totally absolve them, but it really is. It's how they bounce back. Like they can hold on to that number two spot in kind of in my mind. I mean, re- record wise, and uh, I guess they would need to. In real life, record-wise, they have to beat Dallas. But like in my head, San Francisco is the best team in the NFC right now. Philadelphia is number two. Dallas is a close third. The Eagles have to take care of business against Dallas. If they don't, then it becomes the, okay, well, it becomes a toss-up. It's San Francisco, it's those two, and then you have your third tier. Kudos, though, to San Francisco. Man, Brock Purdy's just good. He fits the talent they have, and they have a ton of talent, and I don't want to take away from Brock Purdy. He's the key piece that makes it happen in a vacuum. Should he ever be an MVP candidate? Uh, I, I tend to think probably not, but he fits, and he fits with Debo, and he fits with Kittle, and he fits with McCaffrey. I mean, Debo was, that, that was vintage Debo. That was just unbelievable. The, the the second and third gear he hits in the open field is incredible to watch. But Christian McCaffrey just play in and play out, whether it was a swing pass to the outside or just inside. He was going for 10, 12, 15 yards every time he touched the football. And it seemed like he was constantly moving the 49ers from 40-yard line to 40-yard line. And, you know, just tipping the field like that. He was always moving them from, we're trying to get the drive started, to, oh boy, we're on the brink of field goal range already. And I think that just constantly gave the Niners confidence all day. And the Eagles were just on their heels. And the linebacking play was atrocious. Meanwhile, they're paying their front-running MVP quarterback $870,000 this year. So... There's a reason why they can have all those weapons. And that's how you do it. And they're going to have more probably next year. You would think so. I was kind of surprised they did. Well, I mean, they, they went and got Chase Young. I was, gonna say, I, think, I was kind of surprised that they were somewhat quiet at the trade deadline of uh, acquiring. We saw them get Christian McCaffrey last year. but Because I, mean, I believe Young, his original deal was four years, $3.7 So they got, what, two more years at yeah. Eight hundred and fifty thousand. There's your window, boys. There's your window. If you're John Lynch, just keep it together for two more years, and then you kind of see what happens and see who you can retain. And, and but, God, it, look at this. Look at it this way with the, with the wide receivers, and I think we'll talk about that for years. The draft night trade, where 
The rumor is DK Metcalf wants a trade. Debo's demanding a trade from the 49ers. And A.J. Brown wants to be traded from the Titans. The Titans are like the one that jumped off the dock while the other ones went, ah, I don't think I'm going to try it. They drank the punch first. They, yeah, they they jumped off the railroad stanch while the other two went, ooh, boy, that's, that's pretty far. Did you hear how he hit? They're the idiots that traded him to the Eagles, and you see the benefits. And then you see the 49ers just going, look, we're not going to act too quickly or too swiftly here. We're going to kind of let this just play out. And sure enough, Debo stays, and you see what's happening there now. And DK Metcalf coming off a huge game for the Seahawks. Meanwhile, the Titans just kind of languishing. Will Levis screaming at Hopkins. It's a bad scene. Man, it, it is like I just see I see Vrabes on the sideline. I'm like, oh, it just the frustration level. Like when your punter gets knocked out and you miss beating a divisional opponent because you have to have Ryan Tannehill as your holder and you miss an extra point that would have put you ahead in the fourth quarter. Like that is for someone who's had no luck with kickers since he's been a head coach. That's the seventh circle of hell right there. I feel like Vrabe's probably going through a lot of Zins. I don't know if he's a Zins guy, but... He might just be like a red man, long cut. I don't know. Something rugged. Cope. Uh, he's definitely a Copenhagen guy. Straight Marlboros after the game. Just breaks it up and chews it. Uh, decent week of football. Let's see what else we got for big games. Rams-Ravens. Interesting game. Rams playing better. Ravens looking to get kind of back on back on positive momentum. Bucks-Falcons has implications. It's got implications. Uh, I guess that's what we can say for that. Colts, Bengals. Yeah, for, 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 for the most hated division in football. Like, nobody cares about the NFC South. Colts, Bengals, Gardner Minshew, if you take out the Urban Meyer year, is like a 600 quarterback winning percentage. Gardner Minshew, freaking Bengals. Guy I was Brown playing good? in fantasy this week. Going into Monday night, I had like a 50-point lead or 56-point lead, and they got 70 points. From Chase and uh, Mixon. Yeah, I had a 25-point lead going against Jamar Chase, and I needed it to clinch a playoff spot, and Chase had like a 15-point catch. And I was like, well, there goes that. Seahawks-Niners, always usually a good game. Seahawks usually get up for divisional games. (coughs) Jags-Browns. Do you stick with the semi-hot hand of Joe Flacco? It's Flacco. It's Bethard. Sunday, 1 p.m. CBS. Yeah, it doesn't have the same ring to it as uh, as before the season. Hey, you glossed right over the game I care about, and the one I think everyone cares about. Bills Chiefs? Nope. The Houston Texans and the New York Jets. Well, we already kind of talked about it earlier. I know, but I mean, we're looking forward to games. I'm- That's what... I'm really worried about how much you're you're needing to dive into the Jets' misery right now to survive oh, this I, season. I am just bathing in it. Uh, here's This one's actually good because we just saw it a couple weeks ago and the Lions had to make a ferocious comeback at home. 
Uh, Lions, Bears. Just saw this one. Bears looked like they were getting a big win on the road. Lions, you know, they falter on Thanksgiving. They bounce back. They almost blow a huge lead against the Saints. Kind of seeing a trend with maybe that's kind of a Lions thing where they blow big leads. Defense is, uh, isn't looking. I mean, Aaron Glenn, two weeks ago, people were talking about as a head coaching candidate. It was going to have interviews. And now I mean, there's even more people saying that he should be fired midseason. Lions, Bears. I, I, I'm very interested in what two teams, the Bears with Justin Fields and the Cardinals with Kyler Murray. And we saw a little bit of it this past week with Kyler Murray beating the Steelers. And, and it was a weird game. They lost Pickett, two weather delays. But the Cardinals kind of took it to him as what, 24 to three at one point. You know, the Steelers added a late touchdown to kind of make it look a little more respectable than it was. But I don't think it's necessarily a slam dunk. And especially with the Bears, as it pertains to Justin Fields, you know, I hate, I, I hate the talk radio trope of, is he the guy? He's not the guy. Is he the guy? He might be the guy. Oh, he's definitely not the guy. They need to find a guy. But Justin Fields is like the most kind of like, well, I mean, they got him under rookie control for one more year and they could pick up that fifth year option or they could have the number one pick and they take Caleb Williams. You know, like, no. where do they go? Because what's the value of, of trading Justin Fields? What's the market for him? So it is kind of a strange dichotomy of, does he play well enough that the Bears are saying, hey, maybe we have our guy and we just need to develop him a little bit more? Or does he play well enough that some team goes, yeah, I'll trade for him? You know, the Atlanta Falcons step up and go, oh, yeah, no, he's better than what we have in our quarterback room. We'll take Justin Fields. I don't know. I, I'm just very interested in how those two quarterback situations play out because they're guys I think we wrote off in September who now are playing okay. I know. All of a sudden, Cardinals get that win, and you have to start watching North Carolina football games. Oh, I've been watching some Drake May. <laughs> Patriots uh, comfortably in the two. I think we were. We're one game clear of the Cardinals. We're two clear of the Giants now. I just want to get to the point where in week 18, we have a top two pick and we can beat the Jets. Like, if we can beat the Jets in week 18, because, look, this could be Belichick's last game in New England. It's probably Matt Slater's last game in New England. I'll be in the house. Could be Zach Wilson's last game in New York. Ever. Ever. It could be the last game he ever watches, for all we know. He may go join an ashram or something next year. Like, there's going to be a lot of emotions. I I just need to go to the offseason. Like, 3-14 is bad. 2-15 is atrocious. Like, if we can just go out with a W that last week of the season and give Slater and Belichick wins, if that is their last game, I just need it. Like, I just need it. But if it isn't locked up, would you rather the loss and lock up the two-pick and they go out with an L to Zach Wilson and the Jets? The Belichick, the the Belichick era ends with a loss to Zach Wilson and the Jets, but you get the number two pick. Oh, I I think you want to beat the (laughs) Jets. Like I just want to beat the Jets, but at the same time, 
this year has proven you need a quarterback. I put it this way. I have talked to two former NFL players this week about the Patriots, and both of them said, you just have to have a quarterback. Like you have to find a quarterback. Like this can all be and one of them was like, I hate the Patriots. He played he had played for the Jets. He's like, I hate the Patriots. But Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. You have to just give him the opportunity to find another quarterback. Because if he does, he'll win football games. But he hasn't had one since Brady. But all you have to do is find one. Look at the defense. And I, I think it is interesting with that narrative now that well, look at what the defense is doing. That's Bill's bread and butter. They've been horrendous on offense and horrendous at finding offensive talent the last couple seasons. But they do have this defense. Is that something to build on, especially if you can draft a quarterback in the top two? Notice how I just artfully skated around answering your hypothetical of would I rather beat the Jets or the number two pick? I'm very proud of myself for giving you that that question on the spot. And I wouldn't have thought about it had you not gone on your soliloquy about beating them in the final week. Because I, I think we know. I think deep down we know. We know your choice. And it's the loss. You want the loss. Nah, beat the Jets. Take Jalen Daniels third. I don't care. Lies. Uh, lies. Nah, Liza Manelli over here. That was uh, a good one. Thank you. Uh, immaculate Grid. Let's do the grid. To close out the week. And I apologize. I don't know why my phone keeps... It's muted, but you get the dings. Uh, Mr. Popular over here. Thank you. Uh, so we've been doing the Immaculate Grid for the last few weeks, and we've been enjoying it. So we shall continue. I don't know if we're going to enjoy this one. This one could be a little bit tricky. Top row, you have Jags, Jets, and LSU. And your side row, Bengals, Buccaneers, and Vikings. So they're, they've added LSU. This is, I believe, just the second time they have had a college included the other time they used Alabama. They also made it very uh, kind of easy when they used Alabama. Uh, they had, I think the three Alabama teams were the Eagles, Dolphins and Titans. So you could easily play Tua, Hertz and Derrick Henry. This one, I think is a little more challenging. LSU obviously a football powerhouse, but a little more there are some very obvious choices for each of the three, but we'll we'll see what we can come up with for the Bayou Bengals and the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's start with uh, Jacksonville and Cincinnati. I'm going to be dead honest. I got nothing on this one. I got nothing. Inspiring like, I mean, I'm envisioning quarterback. Eli Apple. Wow, that's probably, yeah. He's usually a throw one out there. There you go. I was thinking like running backs, quarterbacks. It felt like they they must share like some backup quarterbacks because both of them had a lot of them in the 2000s. Did Fred Taylor have a stop in Cincinnati at the end of his career? Mm, He stopped in New England at the end of his career. I don't think there was another one in there. He was a Patriot for like a year, maybe even two. 
let's let's go back. We'll skip it for now. Jets Bengals. Jets Bengals. Uh, first one that jumps to mind. Uh, Lavernius Coles. I remember him finishing mm. with like one random year with the Bengals. Maybe even a comeback year, but I think he finished there. But like, was he a Jet like three different times? Yeah. I remember how that worked. With I was thinking like him and Santana Moss. Always. Were they traded for each other? Or is that just like, I mean, they both were like. Weren't they both on the, the Jets together at one point and then Santana got traded to Washington? Yeah. And then I. I almost want to say they got traded then for each other. Like they sent Coles back to the Jets for Santana Moss. I don't know. Uh, Coles, I think, had a couple other random stops, but I, I do remember him being a Bengal at the maybe the very end, but he may have had one season after that. Um, Go with Lavernius. There you go. 3%. Three percent. We're on the board. LSU Cincinnati with the uh, popular pick, of course, being Joe Burrow. Or Jamar Chase. Or Jamar Chase. So I have a third option here, also popular, but not a a quarterback or a current player. What about Andrew Whitworth? Mm. Linemen are usually pretty safe. He's a good one. I mean, pretty modern, pretty popular, but... uh, one that I think people are like, oh, yeah, he was a Ram forever. It's like, no, he was, he was a Bengal for a long time before that. There you go, 3%. That brings us back to Cincinnati and Jacksonville. Yikes. Still got nothing. I still got nothing, Cotton. Yeah. I've found that I'm pretty bad with the Bengals, and I think I'm pretty bad with the Jaguars, too, just because... Something about them only existing for 30 years just has me like, ah, they're an expansion team. Only had a few guys come through there. Give me Mark Brunel. Oh, believe me. My, my head immediately goes to Mark Brunel, Keenan McCardell, Fred Taylor, Taylor. Who, who played for two teams. And then I was just trying to think of like... Tony Baselli. Yeah, exactly. Who played his whole career there. Uh, I was thinking of like John Henderson and some of those guys, but... Uh, like David Garrard. Can't remember if he had any other stops. Yeah. Oof. Let's move off this one. Maybe we'll get thinking if we go bang, uh, go Jaguars and Buccaneers. We'll, we'll something will percolate. So Jags, Buccaneers, Byron Leftwich. Leftwich is the first one that that comes to mind. Leonard Fournette. Yep, Leonard Fournette. He didn't jump to mind uh, as quickly as he he definitely should have. Uh, let's go, Byron Leftwich, Blaine Gabbert. You know, I never use Blaine Gabbert. I sh- I need to use him way more because I forget that he played for several teams. Tom Brady's backup. Tom Brady's backup, and also drafted what like seventh overall by the Jags. Mm. Do you think he's more or less popular than Byron Leftwich? I'm going to say because he's a current player. I'm going to say he's more so because Leftwich, even though he was a coach in Tampa, like I even I have to think like, did he really play there? Because I think he was only there for like a season or two, like right in the middle of his career. Not bad, nine percent. It's actually a little higher. I thought it would have been more like five or you know four or five, but maybe because he was a coordinator. 
Yeah, that's probably true. He got, you know, a little more. That could be. That could be. Who did I played someone not long ago and I, I used I think it may have been in baseball and I, I played them because they were the ma- they managed that one of the teams. And in my head I was like, Oh yeah, they, they must have played for him if they managed for him and no, they never played for that franchise. Jets Buccaneers. Well, Tom, I think our rule is always if you can play Vinny Testaverde, you play Vinny Testaverde. So I, I think we just go ahead and uh, we li- we lay that one right out. 1987 to 2007. 7%. Eh, which is funny because those are really the two teams I think he's most synonymous with. He might throw the Browns in there a little bit because he took over for Kozar, but uh, I mean, you have the 88 bucks and, and, and Vinny Testaverde, but... Yeah, when you can play him, I, I think you have to do it. Though, you know what's funny, Tom? The You know who the other player that jumped to mind when I thought of the Jets and the Buccaneers? Ryan Fitzpatrick? Warren Sapp. And it's because everyone thought for sure the Jets were going to take Warren Sapp in the draft. But remember, he had, I think, an issue. There may have been law or marijuana involved. And everyone thought that that's the iconic clip of the draft is Jets fans chanting, we want Sapp. We want Sap, and the Jets took Kyle Brady, tight end, Penn State, and then Warren Sapp went to the Buccaneers. And the rest is history. But for some reason, in my head, I was like, "Oh yeah, Warren Sapp." It's like, yeah, he he never played for the Jets. Bucks, LSU. Go back to Leonard Fournette. He's the first one that comes to mind. Um, my college player knowledge is not. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately with this one, uh, yeah, Let, let's go with Leonard Fournette. This isn't one that... This one's going to be high. 57. 57. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I do wish that you could see the the like the least popular answers after the fact. I guess I can Google them after. Well, we can could, we, we could take a look after when it gives us the results. All right, Jags, Vikings... Once again, oh yeah, this one didn't. This one didn't great. Uh, again, one where it feels like I should be able to picture like a couple linebackers or, you know, every quarterback. I think it was like, well, Matt Castle. You know, he played for the Vikings. I don't think he ever played in Jacksonville. I uh, think of Nick Foles played for the Jags. Uh, I don't think it was ever a Viking. Trying to think of running backs. Right, you try to think of the freaking Jags, man. I know the Jags are tough. I'm telling you, the the, the Jag, even the Panthers, the Panthers can be difficult too. And I'm I'm just bad with the Bengals. I feel like I should be able to think of a Minnesota Viking though. Ah, uh, I just pulled it out of my butt, Mister Toby Gerhart. Oh. Good one. 13. Okay. Wow. If Toby Gerhardt is 13%, then I'm not missing. Too much. No, this is a tough one. Like, like I always feel vindicated when I look, if I, if I do, you know, can't get one, I love looking it up and you see the most like famous player of those two teams. And it's like a backup linebacker from eight years ago. You're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. No one gets this one. Done. All right. That's, that's fair. Obscure fans, like obscure Jags fans win this week. 
Oh, yeah, 100%. They're like, oh, you're going to play Byron Leftwich? Weirdo. <laughs> Why aren't you playing that second string interior lineman we had for six games? Oh, yes. Uh, RJ Sayward, he, he certainly also played for the Buccaneers. Uh, Vikings, Jets. I mean, your mind goes to Favre. Yeah. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. Those are probably your top two that probably eat up a ton of this one. So if you can come up with a a alternative. Um, Did Jay Fiedler, Fiedler play for both? I know Jay he played. Fiedler? Yeah, I know he played for the Jets. Why do I feel like he might have played for the Vikings? Not, I don't trust it enough to put it in. Yeah, I was going to say, Jay Fiedler, I was just thinking of with the Miami Dolphins in that Sports Illustrated cover. Um, the one I think of, and here's the connection, is C.J. Mosley, but not the C.J. Mosley that plays for the Jets now that they got from Baltimore, but there was defensive tackle C.J. Mosley like a few years ago. Like I don't think he's been in the league now for probably like 10 years. I think he was a rookie. He played his first couple of years in Minnesota, and then he went to the Jets. So I'm guessing this one from 2015. Yeah, I'm going to say 2005 to 2015. That's C.J. Mosley. 0.07. Yeah. And it's just be- – and, like, I remember nothing except there was another C.J. Mosley. And there's a C.J. Mosley now. They both play defense, and they play for the Jets. Uh, LSU, Minnesota. I thought of Patrick Peterson. That's a good, I mean, I, I kept getting stuck on Justin Jefferson, which is what they want. They want us to get stuck on Justin Jefferson. Yeah. So let's go Patrick Peterson. That's that's a pretty good one. Of... 10%. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think for this, that's pretty good because he wasn't in Minnesota all that long. Yeah. Back to Bengals. And Jaguars. I mean, you threw Eli Apple out there. I, I, I don't think Eli Apple actually played for Jacksonville. We don't know that. Did Tyler Eifert play for Jacksonville? That's a possibility. It seems like it would be someone like that. Like, I was trying to think of, like, a Hayden Hurst, but Hurst hasn't been there. Um not that many quarterbacks like Kitna never had a stop and like who were the Jaguars quarterbacks? I mean, Mark Burnell, Burnell. Leftwich, Garrard. Like who was after David Garrard and before like Blake Bortles? Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert. Or like a day. Matt Moore. Let's see, Cincinnati. Did our XFL like, hero, AJ, play for the Jags? I don't think he did. No. Jeff Blake. David okay. Klingler. Carson Palmer. John Kitna. I feel like there has to be a guess here at some point. Let's go with, like, Tyler Eifert or, you know, just... Go the tight end. I don't know. I, I'm really, for once, to, to show the legitimacy of this, I, I'm stumped. 
Okay. We're going to test my spelling there. Hey! Oh! We did 37%. Okay, so that just tells me if Tyler Eifert is 37%, so we complete the grid, Tyler Eifert, 37%. That just shows me that, like, look, show the summary. Like, I want to see the list of uh, Jaguars and Bengals. Yeah, I'm looking. Oh, that's not what I want to do. Uh, Just hit the show summary button under the zero. Oh, sorry. You scroll down. Oh, so it is there. Number one, Reggie Nelson, Kevin Hardy, Clyde Simmons, Marvin Jones, Willie Jackson. Those are your your most notable. I just Googled, and I see, like, Sean Porter, Reggie Nelson, Morgan Trent, Jordan Shipley. If you you scroll down, it'll have a uh, breakdown by position. So one quarterback, Damian Gibson. Yeah, yeah, Jordan Shipley. Quan Cosby. Yeah, I remember that. Jordan Shipley was supposed to be good coming out of Texas. He did was. Not, did not last. He was. Did not last long. No. Wasn't it a whole thing that, like, after he left, like, his little brother was going to Texas and was going to play with, like, Colt McCoy's little brother, and that was going to be this whole, like, Texas was supposed to be good for, like, eight years, and mm. it just didn't really happen. Yeah, that is a... Ooh, that is a list. Yikes. All right, so no wonder that one was hard. Yeah. That's what she said. All right, on that note, uh, Sterling, where can people find you? People can find me uh, com. I will have a Patriots preview for this Thursday night matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I uh, already got most of the hay in the barn on that one, as you can imagine. Uh, not easy to preview a game where you think there is a legitimate chance that the only points come off of one safety. But that's where we are with the 2023 New England Patriots. Also be a uh, the original Patriot Notebook the morning after the game. So we'll have uh, one blog up on Thursday, one up on Friday morning. And uh, yeah, com. Subscribe for free or you know sign up your friends and family. Give them a free subscription for the holidays makes the perfect gift. They don't need to know that it is free 99. We will be back next week with the NSO pod. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I guess you don't tune in for downloading for streaming. Still tuning in. Yeah. This has been a production of uncommon media. And there it is.